Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. Today, Ken Ham continues wrestling with the question of a loving God in a fallen world. We'll also have an update on the work many of you are supporting in the country of Pakistan. The latest issue of the Prophetic Observer is now available. Each month, the Prophetic Observer has timely articles about prophecy in light of today's events. An excellent outreach tool, many people give copies of the Prophetic Observer to friends and family so they can stay informed. Subscribe to the Prophetic Observer today by calling 1-800-652-1144. Our host, Larry Spargimino, welcomes Ken Ham back to the program to continue their look at why there is so much suffering today, even for Christians. We're back with Ken Ham. He is a well-known trusted apologetics author and also the founder and CEO of Answers in Genesis, the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter. We are featuring his new book, Divine Dilemma. It focuses on the issue of a good God and a world filled with suffering and evil. How do you reconcile the two? Are the atheists right in saying there is no God? Ken, thank you so much for being with us again. Hey, it's great to be with you. We look forward to uh, this next segment. Here's a, a question I think is very relevant, very important. Simply because a person is a Christian does not mean that person has a Christian worldview. And I find this to be true on an almost daily basis. So tell us, first of all, what is the Christian worldview? And secondly, how does a Christian know if he or she has a Christian worldview? In the last program that we did, I mentioned about the fact that when I'm teaching about Christianity or teaching about any subject, to me, I always think about it like building a house. You can't build a house from the roof down. You don't build the roof and then the walls. You've got to build the foundation, and then you build the walls and the roof. And you've got to have the right foundation. If you're going to build you know, a massive tall building, you can't put a flimsy foundation, it's got to have the right foundation, and you can't use a foundation of sand, you need to have a foundation of rock or concrete, you need something firm. You know, in the scripture we are are reminded that, you know, we're to build a house on the rock, the rock of God's word, not the sand of, of man's word. And so, when we're thinking about that, this relates to worldview. Because I find that for a lot of Christians, when you say, do you have a Christian worldview? And they say, yes. To them, a Christian worldview is more, you know, they believe things from the Bible. But a Christian worldview is understanding that you have a way of thinking about this world, about everything. It's like having on a pair of glasses. Even if you don't have on a pair of glasses, think about it like this. Everybody does have a pair of glasses on because we're all looking at the world and understanding it in a particular way. And as we look out at the world today, when we see a world with death and suffering and so on, we're looking at that, and our worldview determines how we understand that. And give us a couple of practical examples, first of all, to help people understand what I'm talking about here. I have people say to me things like, how do dinosaurs fit with the Bible? And I say... No, 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 you've got to understand, you don't fit dinosaurs with the Bible. What do I mean by that? I mean this, if we truly understand what the Bible is, what is the Bible? It's a revelation from God who knows everything there is to know about everything. And so God has given us the key information we need to enable us 
to build the right way of thinking about everything. And the first 11 chapters of Genesis are actually the foundational information for the rest of the Bible and for our way of thinking for everything. Your worldview is your way of thinking. And so when we're talking about dinosaurs, the way to approach them would be, okay, the word dinosaur was invented in 1841 because we had scientists who found these bones in the ground of particular animals with particular features. And now we would say there's 80 different types of dinosaurs from the bones that we found. Okay, well, let's start from the Bible. When did God make all the land animals? Well, he made all the land animals on day six. And then people say, but the word dinosaur is not there. No, because it was invented in 1841. Mm, it's, yeah. just a, it's just an arbitrary term that applies to particular types of land animals. The point is, what we today call dinosaurs would have been made on day six as part of all the, the land animal kinds. And what did they eat originally? They were all vegetarian. Well, how do we know that? Genesis 1 verse 30 Mm. says all the animals were vegetarian. There was no death in the world at that stage because man hadn't sinned. And then, you know, two of each kind, seven pairs of some went on Noah's Ark. Did dinosaurs go on Noah's Ark? Well, did all the land animal kinds go on Noah's Ark? Yes. Well, that would include what we today call dinosaurs. In other words, you're starting from the foundation of God's word to build your way of thinking. You've got to do the same with everything when it comes to death and suffering. People say, look at this world today. Look at all the death and suffering and disease we see in the world. How do you equate that with a loving God? How do you fit that with a loving God? And you say, no, 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 that's not the right way to do it. We've got to start with what God, who knows everything, has revealed to us to build the right way of thinking, which is your worldview, about death and suffering. And so we start from God's word. When he created everything, it was very good. There was no death in the world. Uh, Adam and Eve were vegetarian, Genesis 1.29. So were the animals. There was no disease, no suffering in the world. God described his creation when he finished it as very good. Mm. And the attributes of God are such that we know what very good means. There, there was no, no evil, suffering. There was no horrible things in the world. It was a perfect world. But then we read that man sinned. And because Adam sinned, and we all come from Adam... We all sin because we're descendants of Adam and he was the head of the human race and we sinned in Adam, then God placed upon us the judgment of death. So death came as a judgment because of our sin. So it's very different when you start from God's word to build your way of thinking. And we have to do that with everything. You know, when you look at my homeland of Australia, we have an indigenous people called the Australian Aboriginal people. And people say, well, where did they come from? Well, Darwin taught that they were closer to the apes in evolution than others. And we say, no, 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 they're humans just like us, and all humans are descendants of Adam and Eve. In fact, all of us today are descendants of Noah going back to Adam and Eve. And so we're all part of one human race. And because of the Tower of Babel, God gave different languages and people moved away from each other, forming different people groups. And many of those people groups over time rejected God and lost the knowledge of God that they once had. But it's a totally different view of history than actually uh, starting with the evolutionary view that says man learned to grunt and some evolved and all the rest of it. Your biblical worldview means you're starting from Scripture to build the right way of Mm. thinking. And that's what we have to do. And as I said, it's like building a house. In everything we do, when someone asks me about 
What do you think about gay marriage? Well, let's start with the foundation of God's mm, Word. Let's amen. start here in Genesis. God made two people, Adam and Eve. Genesis 2.24 tells us about one flesh and so on, and that's the foundation for marriage. So marriage is a man to woman. You're building the structure based on the right foundation. And we have to do that with everything. We do it with death and suffering. We do it with every aspect of reality. If you want to know about fossils, people say, well, how do you understand fossils? Let's start from God's Word. There was no death mm. to start with. Death came after sin, but there was this... So you couldn't have had fossils millions of years before man sinned, right. and there was the event of Noah's flood that would form fossils all over the earth. And so we need to have that biblical worldview. And the, and the problem is... A lot of our Christian leaders haven't taught a biblical worldview yes. because they haven't taught a literal Genesis. Without Genesis 1 to 11 as the foundation, you can't build a true biblical worldview. Right. And therein lies a major problem. And that's why many Christians don't know how to deal with issues, whether they're issues of death and suffering or racism or LGBT or whatever it happens to be. We've got to have that right foundation beginning in Genesis 1 to 11. I was thinking about your chapter 19, The Vantage Point of Time. And uh, you say that when you look back at the history of answers in Genesis, the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter, you now can see the hand of God in some of the things that were very grievous to you at that time. Wow, what an insight. So develop that idea of the vantage point of time. I think that's a real gem. One of the problems that we have a big problem is that we don't know everything and we can't see things from God's perspective. He's outside of time. He sees everything. He knows everything. There can be all sorts of events that occur that we struggle with that don't make sense to us. And yet later on, as you look back, you can say, wow, um, I didn't realize at the time because I didn't know this or that. You know, I, I think about it from a perspective of, you know, I could give you some practical examples. And, for instance, if you uh, think about the Creation Museum, and we had a, a piece of property picked out for the Creation Museum, and, and they agreed to rezone the property for mm. us and all the rest of it, and then the atheists came against us and others, and there were some unfair things that happened to cause us to lose that property, and we would say, Lord, we're, we're stepping out to build this creation museum, but look what happened. It, this doesn't make sense, you know, where everything was, was going so well, and, and now we, we lost that piece of property. But then we found another piece of property, and as time has gone on, we realized something. Wow, I'm so glad we didn't get that first piece of property. I'm so, <laughs> right. I'm so glad God saved us from that, because this other piece of property is right on a major freeway. It's so much better. It's got better access. And looking back on it, you can see God certainly did something really special in enabling us to have that piece of property because it's such a blessing and you know, just infinitely better than the previous one. And you know, we, you imagine what it must have been like at the time for the apostles there and the people of Jesus' day and He's looked on as the victorious king, and suddenly, you know, there he is crucified on a cross. And even though the scripture had prophesied all this and Jesus had taught them, they still didn't understand it. They still didn't see it. Right. They were struggling with this, and then he's crucified, and, and he dies. And it's almost like, you know, the bottom has fallen out of their world, and they're despondent. And 
what's going on here? It doesn't make sense. None of this makes sense. Wait a minute. He, he healed people. He raised people from the dead. Look what he did. And if they crucified him. You know, it was an evil event. And there's an example how there's an evil event, but God used that evil event for something so special that now we look back and understand it, wow, for the salvation of man, so that we might be saved and spend eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ, with our Creator. And it's interesting at the time how people couldn't understand what was going on, but now we can look back from the vantage point of time, and of course from Scripture, and, and we start to see it. And so... You know, we've got to understand that in regard to circumstances in our own lives. There are things that can happen. Now, I'm not saying we always can look back and and say, wow, now I see something special. I think there's some things. I think it's not going to be until heaven that the Lord will explain things. There are some things we say it, it doesn't make sense, but God gives us many examples in life. We can look back from the vantage point of time and say, Wow, look at that. God used that in a special way. I never realized that. And yet there are other things we look back and say, still don't understand that one. And so don't expect that we're going to see everything from the vantage point of time and and realize, you know, the special purposes and things. There are some things that are mysteries, and some things will remain mysteries until we meet the Lord. But in many ways, there are lots of examples I can look back and see God's hand in a way that at the time... We were really struggling. Um, I, I think of you know events that have occurred and people who tried to hurt us in all sorts of ways, mm. and it didn't make sense. And look at David struggling with Saul, and he was crying out in the Psalms you know, to God because of this. You know, David was was crowned king. He was going to be king. He was anointed to be the king, and yet look what happened. And yet because of all he went through, he wrote the Psalms. And those psalms are there for our teaching. And because of all those events and struggles he had, uh, we can identify with those struggles as we read through the psalms as well. And so God used those events, events of evil things and unfair things happening to him, but used them for special purposes and now recorded in his word to stand Mm -hmm. forever. Think about that. Yeah. The vantage point of time... God closes doors, and, and he closes doors for our good. I'm thinking in my first church, maybe 52, 53 years ago, I had a young man, and he was going to get married to a young lady. I knew the young lady, visited with her, and we visited her together and so on and so forth. I just got a lot of bad vibes. And you can't tell somebody, no, don't marry this woman. Some of the women in the church and my wife and so forth had bad vibes. Well, the Lord closed the door. It was a blessing. And several years later, he said, wow, the Lord delivered me from a big problem. And and that was all because of the vantage point of time. Now I know that door was closed because the Lord loves me and has my well-being in mind. So that's, that's a, a tremendous illustration. But I wanted to talk to you about Romans 8.28. You've got some tremendous insights. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, you make some really valid points about how that verse is a little bit misunderstood. Maybe maybe talk to us about Romans 8.28, because I think you're absolutely right. Sometimes we make it say things that it doesn't really say. As I go through this and go through the circumstances of uh, everything that happens, I think, first of all, 
that verse can be used in a very shallow way a lot of times, mm-hmm. and that is with, with events that occur, I think sometimes people can say, look, all things work together for good, so therefore just deal with it. You know, you just got to uh, uh, trust God. I think the way it's sort of treated sometimes, it almost makes people feel like they're not trusting God like they should because right. they're questioning, mm-hmm. because they're asking questions or grieving. And I've had people who've um, actually said things like, I felt like I wasn't a real Christian because I was starting to ask questions and I was struggling with this and asking God and people would tell me, oh, all things work together for good. You know, basically you shouldn't be you shouldn't be grieving, you shouldn't be asking those mm-hmm. questions. But the thing is, all things do work together for good than for them that love the Lord. But we're still going through these grieving things in this world and we're struggling through them. And sometimes we don't even see that until later on. Right. We don't even understand it. We we have to look back later on and we start to see, wow, I can see how, how God used that. We won't always see it from our perspective here on earth either. There are times we, we just have to be like Job and say, Lord, you know all things and you understand all these things. And we've got to sort of also look at it from the perspective of our sin. Our sin has caused consequences and we're not above the consequences of our sin. I think sometimes people use those verses too to sort of make out that we're sort of above the consequences of our sin and so we shouldn't be having to go through these sorts of things. We've got to understand we deserve nothing. We are sinful creatures. Uh, We deserve nothing and we've, we've got to understand what our real heart is like and again to look at it from the perspective of how God looks at it and from him being a holy God and a holy God who has to judge sin. So we've got to be prepared to understand in this fallen world we're going to suffer the consequences of our sin and working together for good can mean us suffering and us undergoing things that we don't like, not just thinking that we can be above those things. Ken Ham, thank you so much for your book and for these two shows. Hey, thanks a lot, Larry. Let me encourage you. If you're wrestling with grief or if you're asking why, please get a copy of Ken Ham's new book entitled Divine Dilemma. 1-800-652-1144. That's the number to call. 1-800-652-1144. Why do death, disease, and suffering exist in the world if there's a loving God? Is God truly loving as the Bible says? This is one of the most common and earnest questions asked of Ken Ham, and he deals with the issue directly yet sensitively. Divine Dilemma by Ken Ham. Order your copy today when you call 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order at our website, swrc.com. Thanks to the generosity of many of you, there is a school in Pakistan right now reaching children with the gospel. Here's Pastor Larry with an update on the important work that is going on in Pakistan. This is our Pakistan Update. We will be visiting with Pastor Victor Samuel, CEO of Grace Charity School, and he is also pastor of Grace Bible Church. Hello, Pastor Victor. So nice to meet with you. Hello, Pastor Larry, and hello, listeners. So nice to meet with you again, Paul. 
Praise the Lord. We are going to uh, have one of our students, one of your students. I would like to greet one of your students, Adon Salim. Hello, Adon. Hello, dear pastor. It is nice to meet you, too. Oh, what a pretty young lady you must be. Uh, How old are you and what grade are you in? I am 16 years old and I study in 10th grade. Wow. Well, I understand you're a good student. What do you hope to do when you graduate from Grace Charity School? I am hoping to work as a teacher at Grace Charity School and help at Grace Bible Church in Sunday school in future. Adon, tell me, um, what is a normal day like at Grace Charity School? What are some of the things you and all the other students do? Grace Charity High School holds theme to our foundation that has guided us in our founding, Pastor Victor Samuel, in September 2010. Mm. Our founders sought to create a special place in Medina Clooney, Tobataxing, where we are growing spiritually and Academically, we are strengthening our faith in God by a religion period in our daily schedule at school. Religion period gives GCS school, GCS students an opportunity to focus their mind and heart on God. Mm. It is a constant reminder that God is on their side. Religion class curriculum allows students to explore the scriptures and learn from the example of great and wow, that is so beautiful. Thank you for saying that. Could you tell us what is your favorite Bible verse? My favorite verse is Psalm 23, 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Amen. Wow, so, so beautiful, so wonderful. Well, Adon, I've been blessed speaking to you, and I know our, our listeners have been blessed by you as well. God bless you many times over. God bless you too, Pastor. Well, Pastor Victor, I know your dear wife, Sophia, wants to say something to our listeners, and she's going to recite John 3.16 all in Urdu, and then you will translate. So, hello, Sophia. Hello, dear listener and dear Pastor Larry. Very nice to uh, speak to you. I think you're going to recite John 3.16 in Urdu? Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for having me with you all. I also want to thank for you, your kind support. I'm going to read John 3.16 in my language, and my husband, Pastor Victor, will translate in English for you all. John 3.16, Kyunke Khuda ne dunia se aisi mohabbat rakhi, ke usne apna aklota beta baksh diya. Well, thank you so much for that. That's John 3.16. Thank you so much, Sophia. I know you're a wonderful uh, wife and a wonderful mother, and you are a good Christian lady. I know Pastor Victor is blessed by having you uh, as his wife. So. Praise the Lord. Thanks again. Well, Pastor Victor, tell our listeners about the construction you're involved in and the need to expand your facilities. I think you have about 700 students now, or you want to have some more, and and tell us all about that and about construction. 
Uh, yes, dear brother Larry and uh, dear listeners, uh, first I want to thank you all for your uh, generosity for the children here in Pakistan. By the grace of God, this is a huge blessing and grace on the on the children here who have been studying all these years. We have now about 700 children in our one campus. With you all support, we have purchased already the piece of land and we are hoping to construct the the walls and the rooms so we can accommodate more children from the Bricklin families because uh, if we can't have, uh, if we can't admit them in the school they will have a very 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 hard life in in, yes. in here and you you can imagine the lives the hardships they have on, on their daily lives that's so true and of course you do want to expand there are hundreds and hundreds of underprivileged kids around. And then, of course, then in addition to that, we, uh, we need funds for teachers' salaries. How many teachers do you have in both campuses? In one campus in Tobatek Singh, which is the main campus, we have about uh, 26 teachers and uh, two security guards. Another campus, which is in Akamalia, we have around, which is a primary school right now, where we have about uh, 200 children. There are about... 11 teachers and two helper teachers. Also, we have a one security guard there. So, yes, number one, of course, expansion. Number two is the maintenance of the building, paying of the teachers. Things do break down from time to time. So, friends, this is a wonderful, wonderful Christian work. If you have any more questions about that, you can write me at larry at swrc.com or call me on the toll-free number 1-800-652-1144. Pastor Victor, we've got about a minute more. Any Anything else that you would like to say to our listening audience? Yes, I just want to pay my graduate and uh, uh, gratefulness to you all. Just know that we love you guys, and we are here in Pakistan so much grateful for you. And as uh, one of our students, Adam uh, Salim has already said that what we are doing here at the school, just know that uh, with your help, we are teaching these uh, lovely children about Christ. And, and, and you know that in our school, experiencing God's love and showing it to others is an important part of each day. As students and teachers gather for a time of singing, praying, and sharing, so this is just happening because of your generosity and I just want to at the last I just want to thank you all uh, from my from the bottom of my heart and I just just know that uh, you have no idea how much grateful we are and the Bricklin families and these children and everyone here. Well Pastor Victor and uh, Sophia and Aran uh, thank you so much and friends if you'd uh, like to call 1-800-652-1144 or write me at larry at swrc.com. Friends, once again, I want to encourage you, if you're wrestling with grief, would you please get a copy of Ken Ham's new book, Divine Dilemma? Simply call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Using personal examples from within his own family, Ken Ham opens up about his experiences grappling with this difficult topic, and he shares the ultimate solution found in God's Word, Divine Dilemma by Ken Ham. Order your copy today, 
when you call 1-800-652-1144. Biblical faith is being undermined and criticized with an increasing fervor. Tomorrow, Larry Spargimino and Josh Davis will examine this attack on biblical authority and provide the solutions we need to navigate this ever-increasingly hostile world. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station by downloading our SWRC mobile app or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and has been supported for over 90 years by faithful listeners like you. Please visit our website, swrc.com.